Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. Okay, there we go. Sweet. Thanks, Jake. How many people uh, noticed and are appreciating the new the new covers on the chairs? Anyone? Yes? Yeah. At least you know it's clean this week. Uh, I'm just kidding. No, yeah, they just put new covers on the chairs. They look nice. Uh, although I was sitting in my, like, this lower chair, and they didn't recover that, so I kind of felt left out, but it's just kind of the way it is. Um, we're glad that you guys are here. Um, we do have... Uh, I'm not going to make them stand up, but we do have two friends who are uh, missionaries in Paris that are here. Doug and Emily, they're here. And uh, if you see me talking to the people you haven't met before, that's probably them, and you can say hi. Uh, we're, we're, we're exploring a relationship, uh, potentially to partner with them, uh, and, and so even potentially going to Paris and serving alongside of them and encouraging them. So if you uh, see them in the lobby, say hi. Uh, or if you're like, I really want to go to Paris, uh, not for selfish reasons, but for the kingdom reasons, then you can talk to them about that. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so we're, yeah, so we're in Acts chapter 2 today. Uh, very famous uh, part, it's uh, Pentecost, uh, which is the coming of the Holy Spirit for the, the church. Uh, and uh, it makes me think of this one idea of, you ever play this game uh, or this, anyone ever ask you this question, if you could go back at any time in history, uh, like when would you go or where would you go? Have you ever, ever, anyone ever heard that question before? Anyone have like a really good answer that they feel confident sharing out loud right now? It's okay, I know that's really intimidating in the room, but anyone, no? Like some people, they base it off of, it, you can shout it out and interrupt me too, by the way, if you get a really good one. But like it could be that you want to like go like visit a family member. Like uh, my, uh, my mom's grandfather was called Big Daddy, which is a great Southern name for a grandfather. Uh, I mean, think about that, <laughs> Big Daddy, come on. Uh, not an Adam Sandler movie. It is a, it is a funny, uh, no, it's a, it's a, but I've never met him. Like he died before I was born and she always talks super highly of him. Uh, it could have been like you would want to go back to the founding of our nation during Revolutionary War or just back in the day uh, in, in those times. Uh, it could be that you want to go back to the last time your team won a national or championship. Anyone? Ever, like, you know, like for me, I don't have to go that far back anymore, guys. It's like three, four weeks, so five weeks away. Hey, hey, okay, let me celebrate the fact that the Georgia Bulldogs are national champions, and also the Braves are world champions. So that's just that's good news for me. For you, it might be 20 years. I don't know. Um, what about, uh, like some people are like, oh, well, of, cor- of course, right? We're at church, so I want to go see Jesus, right? Like one of the good times, one of the good stories. Uh, and go hang out with him. Maybe, maybe go to a feast with him, or maybe like be at the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching this incredible stuff. I don't know. Um, but but look, this is a pretty common question, and today um, thinking about uh, thinking about Pentecost, this reminds me of a time when I was reading through the scriptures, and I I wanted to uh, um, I was reading where they like uh, dedicated the temple to the Lord, and 
and it's a really cool story of just like the Holy Spirit almost like consuming and like entering into like the Holy of Holies in the temple. And I was like, that'd be a cool moment like uh, to be like an Israelite or a person watching the Israelites dedicate the temple uh, to the Lord because of just their whole story. Quick two-minute recap of the story of Israel. Abraham's called by God to go to a foreign land. He does. Uh, fast forward into his family. They have this guy named Joseph with a Technicolor dream coat. He gets sold into slavery by his brothers into Egypt. This is super fast, by the way. Uh, he, uh, they end up do, he ends up getting promoted second in, in command. They, they flourish in Egypt, and then someone forgets him, and now they're enslaved again. Moses, burning bush, brings them out of Egypt. Let my people go, crossing the Red Sea. They get to the promised land. They get scared of giants, uh, and then they uh, stay in the wilderness for 40 years. This is where uh, they're led by a cloud by day and this, this pillar of fire by night, and they worshiped in this thing called a tabernacle, which is like a tent that was eventually going to be a picture of the temple. Then they finally go in the promised land with this guy named Joshua, and then they have these judges because they want some leaders, and God gives them these judges to lead them, and then eventually they get kings, and they have Saul, and then they have David, and then they have Solomon, and David and Saul aren't able to build the temple of the Lord, but Solomon is finally allowed to, and so it's, it's almost like it's like it, it's somewhere between like a four to six hundred year period of time where Israel is called out from the like from the wilderness to the building of um, building of the temple and they finally get here and it's like it's supposed to be I'm not this isn't going to be on the screen but let me read this prayer that Solomon has he says praise this is when he dedicates this praise be to the Lord or Yahweh who has given rest to his people Israel just as he has promised not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses may the Lord our God be with us as he was with our ancestors may he never leave or forsake us may he turn our hearts to him and walk in obedience to him and keep the commandments decrees laws he gave our ancestors and may these words of mine which I have prayed before the Lord be near to the Lord our God day and night that they may uphold the cause of his servant and cause his people of Israel according to each day's need so that all the peoples of the earth may know that Yahweh is God or the Lord is God and that there is no other and may your hearts be fully committed to Yahweh our God to live by his decrees and obey his commands at this time. That's Solomon's prayer where they get to this moment. They've recognized the promises of God in this moment. And, and I mean, just imagine me there. I mean, I would imagine the whole nation comes just to see this incredible thing. And this thing, this, this, this place was going to be a place where God's presence dwelt in the Holy of Holies. And it was going to be a place where all the people of the earth would know God. And so uh, this, this will be on the screen, which is Second Chronicles 7. It says, this is, this is the, uh, the Chronicles version of this story. And when Solomon finished praying, what happens? Fire came down from heaven, oh shoot, and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. It filled the temple so much that the presence could, uh, the priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces on the ground and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, he is good, his love endures forever. How cool would that be? 
I mean, just to be in a, in a spot where you've seen the promises of God, you, this is in some ways you could argue is the pinnacle of the, na- the kingdom of Israel with, with Solomon ruling, they're, they're going to have more wealth, all this other stuff, more prosperity, and they have this temple that is built uh, for the worship of God and for the nations to know God, and they dedicate it to him, and then God's presence is there. His glory is there. And fire and all this other crazy stuff is here. And so, like, why did I tell you that story when we're in Acts? Last week I opened with, hey, turn to Ephesians, which is crazy. This week we go to the Old Testament, look at Chronicles. And, and why do we do that? It's because this story of the Holy Spirit, um, at that time the temple was built for it to be a place for, for, for Israel and the world to find the one true God because his presence was there. And in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, what we're going to see is that, that God sh- has shifted the plan, if you will, or, or the way that his presence is going to be in the world. And it's, it's moved off of this temple mount. And now God's presence is going to dwell in people. And people will go and point people to the one true God. Meaning, if you are a follower of Jesus, you now have the, the, the presence of God living inside of you, the Holy Spirit living inside you in the same way that that temple was filled with God's presence and his glory. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you for the purpose that the nations would come to know Jesus. That's, that's, and, it, and it's amazing. And in the same way that fire comes down, we're going to see f- tongues of fire in Acts chapter 2. So if you would turn Acts chapter 2 in your uh, journals that you have, or it'll be on the screen, or you can have your smartphone, however you choose to Bible, just Bible. Okay, so uh, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. You get this idea, right? This, this is a wind filling the entire house. And, and the other one, it was the presence of the Lord filling the entire house. And what happens? And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And so and, and if you're like, what does this look like? I don't know. I wasn't there. So, But imagine just, just this, these tongues of fire, these, uh, the, just this, the, these little strips of fire coming down and almost landing on each person that was there in Pentecost. And what happens? And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. And so the apostles, Jesus has just gone up. He's now at the right hand of the Father. Now they are waiting uh, in, they're waiting in either in the upper room or somewhere in Jerusalem, uh, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come as Jesus promised uh, in Acts 1 as well. Uh, now they're in Jerusalem at a time called Pentecost. What is Pentecost? Pentecost is this Jewish feast of first fruits. Uh, it is it's it's the first fruits of the wheat harvest. So not only would they uh, be there, but there would also be people from several nations. The way that the the people of Israel worked is when there was a festival, everyone would travel to Jerusalem to be near the temple uh, at the same time to experience it. And so they were they would have been there with other people as well. Uh, it also uh, later is associated with the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Uh, but that that's what that's what Pentecost actually is. And the apostles are filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, this isn't the first time in the scriptures where we see people are filled in the Spirit. Now, in the Old Testament, God's presence seemed to, he, he, dwelt, in, he dwelt in spots. So he dwelt in the temple place in the Holy of Holies on the Ark of the Covenant. That was 
why it was always a big deal if the ark was ever stolen because it'd be like that was where the presence of the Lord kind of resided, right? Uh, and when they were in the wilderness, he led them by a big cloud and by a pillar of fire. And so, but now it, there's a few times in the Old Testament where it promises of, of the, um, it promises the Holy Spirit coming. And then there's also a few times where the Holy Spirit fills them and something crazy happens, but they don't, it doesn't seem like it stays, if you will. Um, a funny story, I don't have time to look at it today, but I think it's interesting. The 70 elders uh, in Numbers 11, 16 through 30, they're filled, with, there's 70 elders, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they start speaking in tongues. It seems like these aren't known tongues, but they're just, it's just kind of a crazy, it's just a crazy story. Um, also, the promises, like uh, Ezekiel 36, 26 and 7, and 7 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And so in Ezekiel, the prophets, they pick up this idea. There's going to be a time where God is going to put his spirit inside of people and he's going to take our heart of stone and bring us back to life. That's like kingdom language like we talked about last week. That's like new creation language that Paul picks up in Corinthians as well. And so, and Jesus also promises that the Holy Spirit will come as well. Now, tongues of fire, again, this is, the, the fire is, is a picture of the Holy Spirit or the presence of God uh, as well. Uh, what other stories in the Bible deal with fire? Anyone, anyone know a story where maybe a guy named Moses was like hanging out and there was this bush that was what? It was burning it wasn't, but it wasn't being consumed. Like so, this is a normal theme about the presence of the Lord uh, being there. John baptized with water, but later you'll be baptized with fire, is what it says as well. And so, there's this idea of fire is this theme of this of the Spirit coming and consuming, and 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 and, and the Lord's presence as well. And so that's why I believe that there's tongues of fire as well. Now, there's controversy around tongues, by the way. If you if you if you've never grown up with this, and there's also controversy around the filling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'll dive into it very briefly because it's not really what we're here to talk about, but it's more fun. Uh, and so there, basically in this specific story in Acts chapter 2, tongues are, uh, they're uttering known languages that they did not know. And the reason you're going to know that is because uh, there are going to be people that hear them, and they're like, hey, that dude's speaking my language. Hey, that dude's uttering this in my language. How does, how does he know my, my, like, my native tongue? And so that's, that's, that's pretty common in here. Uh, now, there also are um, the, uh, other people in more, I'll use this word, charismatic circles, uh, believe in the gift of tongues, which is like a private prayer language or is like a groaning of the Holy Spirit inside of you that is not, uh, is not a, like a human language, but a heavenly language is what they would say. And Paul would say that in, in a context, he says this in 1 Corinthians, in a church context, he actually gives rules like, hey, have no more than two or three people give tongues, and if they do give a tongue, then you need to make sure you have an interpreter interpreter. And I know if you go, there's some uh, more Pentecostal churches or some Assemblies of God churches that they literally have a time in their service where the pastor goes, does anyone have a tongue today? And like a tongue from the Lord today. And it's this, you know, this heavenly utterance. And if no one does, they're like, cool, we're going to move on and let's start preaching. Uh, And if someone does, they'll 
the, the Paul says there must be an interpreter in a public setting. And so typically there'll, there'll be an interpreter or they'll refute what the person uttered that no one understood anyway. Um, and I don't know if you've been a part of that. Like some of you might be like, I've never experienced this. And some of you have been like, yeah, I was like, I've been like really deep into this. Uh, and some people are hurt on both sides of this as well. And so, um, and then the final, the final one is it's not public, but it'd be more private. And it would be people, again, it's, people call this their private prayer language where they will, they'll feel like the spirit um, is speaking through them. But again, it's something that they can't understand uh, and picking up on some ideas that like the, 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 the Holy Spirit is, is petitioning for you with the, f- with the Father, with Jesus as well on your behalf. Um, now, there are people, uh, again, I have to, I feel like I do this every week. I apologize if this is boring, but this is just, these are, these are some tensions that are inside of this text uh, of saying, w- how does the Holy Spirit impact today? There is a camp, so after all of that, there is a camp that's called a cessationalist that they would say that those gifts, specifically the, like the, the spiritual or miraculous gifts have ceased. That's what cessationalist means. And uh, if you're that, you would say that tongues no longer exist. You'd say healings no longer are, are present today. You'd say, um, there's probably, I'm gonna forget some, prophecy or word of knowledge, if you know are familiar with those, those cease to exist. And uh, they would say that it was specifically for a time for the time of the early church to spread, and then after a certain time, after the apostleship has ended, then that that has now ceased. Uh, personally, I, I'm not there. Uh, I think the gifts are available today uh, for everyone. I think God still uses all of the gifts, and I do think um, what what you'll end up seeing in more charismatic circles is they, and this can be of anything too, not just charismatics, but if let's say they start speaking in tongues or let's say they start seeing healings or let's say they start seeing like uh, God gives me a word or a thought to encourage someone, you can almost start worshiping those gifts than worshiping Jesus and then everything becomes about like I gotta speak in tongues or I gotta get a word of knowledge or I gotta heal somebody or I gotta do this. And it's like, that's one portion of, uh, 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 like it's a gift. But it's also not the, um, but but it's not the gospel. <laughs> it's not the gospel, and we can do that with. I, I, I've been a professional Christian for a long time now, a, over a decade, and as a professional Christian, I've seen flows and patterns where it could be a theological bent that this is the go- like this is more important than the gospel. Like, hey, like that's yeah, Jesus died for your sins by grace through faith, all that stuff. But you got to get this more importantly. Like, this is way more important. And it could be a worship style. It could be a theological thing. It could be a spiritual practice. But but anything about ab- above like putting the gospel forward is a problem. And so though I say yes, the gifts are accessible to the church today. Uh, I would say that let's not elevate a gift before it. And specifically tongues, people get a, they get all in a wad about it. And the reality is, is like it's one of the lesser gifts, and uh, and it's not as I would say it's not as much seen in the at least the Western church. It's more seen in uh, if you go more Africa or uh, like South America, you see a little bit more of that gift used uh, as well. All right, so that's that. That's one. That's one thing. I know. I apologize. I told you. Huh? All right. Um, Second one is the filling of the Holy Spirit, another controversial thing. So we believe that when, you, when, when we follow Jesus, you put your trust in Jesus' death and resurrection, uh, that he saves you. And the Holy Spirit's job is what he does is he regenerates you. And so 
what he does is he takes you from being dead in your sin and he brings you back to life. This is where ge- regeneration. And uh, we believe that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit and that you have all, all access to the Holy Spirit the moment that you become a follower of Jesus, the moment you were saved. And, and so that's, that's one view. And other people would say there's this second blessing. Again, this is a more charismatic side, but they would say there's this second blessing that you need like through laying on hands and then that will be shown through the speaking of tongues. And so again, more like some AG churches, some Pentecostal churches, they will say, yeah, you have, like you're saved, but you don't have like all of the Holy Spirit yet. Or you don't have a full blessing yet. You need a second blessing of the Holy Spirit. And some would say, no, you, you uh, like some will go as far as say, like unless you have that, you aren't saved. But most of them will come off that and say, no, it's, this is a second blessing where there's greater understanding, reality, presence that you can access. Again, I'm not there. I don't. I I, I can't get there. I don't think that's right. Uh, but you know, I have I have close friends that think that as well. So, all right, enough controversy. So, as followers of Jesus, you have been given the Holy Spirit, and that's good news. That's great news because the Spirit is, is designed and, and is, is, been, is given this role to guide you in all spirit and all truth, as, 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 as it says in John. And, and, and as, as, as he does it, it should, he should comfort you knowing that you have been sealed with him. You've been brought back to life with him, and he's going to lead you for the rest of your life. That you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you grew up in, like, if none of what I just said you've never heard because you don't talk about the Holy Spirit, you don't even, like, the Holy Spirit's just like the, 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 the unwanted brother of the, of the Trinity. Like, that's cool too, but knowing that there is power to be had in and realizing that the Spirit does dwell inside you and wants to lead you and guide you and is a benefit, a better benefit than having Jesus still alive on earth, as Jesus said it himself. And so let's, let's not be, like, let's realize that God has empowered us with his presence. Uh, in the same way that the temple, that his presence came and, and dwelt in that place, his presence, dwe- his presence dwells in you. And that's such good news as well. So let's continue with the story. So now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Again, they were here for this festival of Pentecost. And at this sound, the multitude came together. They were bewildered because each one of them were hearing his own language. And so again, they're at this Jewish festival. They're hearing their own language. The apostles are speaking the language of this diverse crowd. And... Uh, that's, that's good news because the good news is for the nations. I think one of the things that the chosen people of Israel missed is that it wasn't just about them protecting themselves. It was they were God's chosen people so that the nations of the world would know the one true God. And, and for us, as followers of Jesus, as, as chosen people by God, that we've been called by God to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to continue to bear witness to the one true God and his son Jesus who died and rose again. And then 7 through 10, that just lists all the nations. I'm going to skip it for time. Verse 11 says, Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and uh, Arabians, we hear them telling in our own language the mighty works of God. That's what, that's what they're hearing, the mighty works of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? But others mocking, saying they are filled with new wine. 
And so, again, this diverse crowd saying, like, this is crazy. We're hearing about the incredible things of God. And then others say, Wait, are, they, are these guys drunk over here? Like, they get a little bit too much of the juice this in the morning. And Peter, <laughs> Peter basically says, no, it's way too early to be drunk, guys. This is true. Like, no one had any birrios this morning. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, they didn't, all right? It's 9 a.m. It's 9 a.m. in the morning. They're not drunk. And then Peter, what he does is he stands up. And he gives the church's first sermon, or Peter's first sermon, uh, of, of the post-Holy Spirit moment. And, and Peter, the one who Jesus said, on this rock I'll build my church, he bears witness to Jesus. And he opens with uh, quoting Joel 28, or no, excuse me, yeah, Joel 28. Um, and, uh, and it says this, actually I'm going I'm to skip that part, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I don't want us to be here until the Super Bowl. Neither do any of you, by the way. But essentially, uh, essentially that Joel passage that he's quoting, you can look it up. Your Bible should have a little note, say, a cross-reference to it as well. But that Joel passage is talking about the last days. And uh, oftentimes in these last days or the day of the Lord, at least in my tradition growing up, I've always looked at that as a future event. Uh, up until recently, studying a lot of those things, it is still a future event. So don't, don't say Russell's changing that. No, it is still a future event. But some of the things he's talking about was accomplished when Jesus came as well. And so if you read that Joel passage, you'll see that uh, as well. But what, P- what, what Peter is going to make a case for is Peter is going to make a case to these Jews, mostly, and some, some uh, proselytes were, were Gentiles, converted Jews, or they're called God-fearers in other translations which would be a non-Jew who, is, who worships the one true God. Uh, but what, what Peter is going to do is Peter is going to make a case that Jesus is the Messiah, and he's going to do it by quoting that Joel passage saying, these things came to pass uh, in his death and his resurrection. And then also he's going to connect uh, Jesus to David uh, and saying that the things that we knew of the Son of Man or of David that was a foreshadowing of Jesus, Jesus came to do these things as well. And I, I don't have time at all to get into all of it. So I'm going to, uh, but I'll, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit of it. So uh, Acts 2, 22 through 24 says this, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs God did through him in your midst. And as yourself know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definitive plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held down. So, hey, listen, Jesus is that guy that, 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 like, that we've been waiting for. He's that guy that, that, that th- these passages are talking about. He's shown his mighty works. God's plan ultimately was for him to be delivered up, crucified and killed, but yet God raised him from the dead that he is risen. He is risen as well. Skip down all the way to uh, chapter 2, verse 36 and 38. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, this is Jesus, what? Both Lord and Christ. That the one true God has made him Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were what? Cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so he's, he, there, there, there's a crowd among them. They're somewhere in a busy space. And, G, and Peter just gives them the truth of who Jesus actually is. He is Lord and he is, is Christ. He is king is, is a more natural word probably for us. That Jesus is king and that he's Christ. He's the anointed one. He is the Messiah, the one that they have been waiting for. And, and they're cut to the heart. And I don't know about you, the, when I remember the first time I heard the gospel, I, was, and I, I wouldn't use this language because of how young I am, but I was cut to the heart of the truth of who Jesus was. And I wanted to believe. I wanted to follow him as well. Have you ever been cut to the heart with the truth of who Jesus is? Have you ever been cut to the heart of the truth that Jesus is king and that he is Lord? And maybe today, for some reason, like you're cut to the heart of the fact that, 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 that God left heaven and lived and died and rose again for you to have life, and he's given you his spirit to seal you and to lead you and guide you through the rest of this life until he comes back or, 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 or we pass away. And so what is, what's the instruction? Like, what do we do? He says, repent, which is a great church word. How many, how many of you guys use the word repent on a daily basis? Only Soren. Awesome. <laughs> and Luke. You don't use that word, Luke. <laughs> Repent means to change your mind. Uh, back in the day when skateboarding and X Games started to be cool, because I'm way older than most of you, uh, it was a big, it was like a do a 180 is what repent means, to turn around. Uh, and so you guys know what a 180 is? Cool. <laughs> but it means to change your mind. It's to change your mind of who is king and savior of this universe. It's to realize that in your own works, in your own good deeds, that they're, they're not good enough uh, so that you can be with God, uh, that you have, you have done things to fall short, to, that, that, that you are in need of a Savior, and it's to change your mind. Jesus says it differently. He says that he, he adds believe to it, so I like this. He says in Mark 1, 15, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. What does he say as he starts his ministry? Change your mind, repent, and believe. In the gospel, the good news is what? That Jesus was dead, or he died, rose again. Jesus is Lord, and Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is King, and Jesus is the anointed one who came to take away the sins of the world. And then there's, the, there's this instruction of to be baptized. And I don't know, uh, that's another controversial topic that I do not have time for, uh, so I will not jump into that today for you. Uh, but uh, if you've never been baptized, uh, we, we would love to talk to you about that. Even now, like if, you, if you've never been baptized before, we believe that baptism is a public profession of faith, and so it is a, t- a way for you to tell uh, this community that I'm a follower of Jesus. Uh, and we do, it by, we do it by immersion, so we, we dunk you. Uh, but... It's, it's a symbol of Jesus. So when you go into the water, it's to say, buried, you share, you're sharing in Jesus' death. And then when you're raised, it's, it's this acknowledgement of that you're a new creation, that you're raised to walk in the newness of life that Jesus has provided with you on the cross. And so if you've never been baptized before, uh, or you were baptized maybe when you were younger and you um, were not a believer, uh, there is a box on our Connect card if you want to Soren, if you don't mind putting the Connect card back up, if you want to fill that out and you can say, hey, I'm interested in being baptized. Uh, my hope is for us, clearly I don't have a baptismal behind me. There's not one behind that door's alarm bu- uh, door. 
Um, my hope, though, is uh, for our Easter service, which Easter is April 17th, that we'll, we'll take a day, maybe a couple weeks before that, and we'll go and find a hot tub, or we'll find like a local pool, and we'll do some baptisms. We'll record them, and we'll show them on Easter. So that's kind of a hope. And so if you're interested, um, or yeah, if you're like, well, now you said hot tub, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Uh, <laughs> but if, you're, if you really, if, uh, genuinely though, if you have put your faith in Jesus, uh, and you have received the forgiveness of sins that he has, like, this is, this is a natural process. You're going to see throughout Acts, people repent, they believe, and they're baptized. Repent, believe, they're baptized. It's a theme in Acts. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to do the same. And so as we end today, Tommy and having you guys come back up, um, I just want to, I just want to encourage us today, uh, oh, uh, verse 41, you don't have to put it on the screen. So from that sermon and from this mass gathering, 3,000 souls or 3,000 people were, were saved that day. 3,000 people repent and believe that, that Jesus is King and Lord and acknowledge his sacrifice on the cross, which is amazing. First sermon, right out the gate, Peter's just throwing out dimes. 3,000, what up? You know, but, which is amazing. Uh, but for us today, like what is, I was, I've been thinking about it today because I was like, this sermon is like, you just talk about controversies for like 10 minutes and then you're talking about this picture of the Holy Spirit coming. And, and so for, for you if, you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, like the, the message, the response is simple, is change your mind and believe that Jesus is Lord and King. And then tell someone that you did that. And if, and, and if, it's, and if it is not, if you are a follower of Jesus and you're, you're pursuing him, is, is to acknowledge the fact that, that you are empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. That the presence of the living God dwells inside of you. Just let the weight of that sit there for a second. The presence of the living God through the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. And he wants to lead you. He wants to lead you to life. He wants to, he has, he wants to, to, to strengthen you. He wants to give you wisdom and this thing called discernment when we don't know what to do. He's with you always. Like we, we always say that like you're not alone. And we genuinely can say that you are not alone because God never leaves you because if you're, again, if you're following him, he is present with you. Now sometimes we push him down, sometimes we push him aside. And so what I hope is as, as people who in Acts 1, we were called to bear witness to this Jesus who we've seen and heard. And in Acts 2, we're shown that you will receive power in the Holy Spirit coming to you. And that power is not just reserved, in my opinion, for just those apostles. That empowerment is reserved for Christ's church to go and live missionally in our, in our daily lives and, and, and to see the kingdom come all around us. The Spirit lives inside of you. And so let's live and let him lead us and guide us. Let him empower us. Let him strengthen us. Let him grow us. 
let them let them bring to mind the things that need to be changed the places in my heart that are not surrendered to king jesus right now like there might be places where you're feeling some conviction or you're feeling like that couldn't be me but if you believe me if you're a follower of jesus he's there and he might be bringing to mind things that you need to let go of things that you need to lay down at the cross things that that have been put to death and and your old self and that still need to be put to death uh, or that could be put to death today as well and so believe the fact that you've been empowered by the holy spirit to lead you, to guide you, to serve him however you want to. Each week we t- in our service or the sermon time with communion, and so if you would grab your, your cup and your, your, your cracker as well, and uh, as, we, as we take communion today, um, I think it's, it's simple, just the, the, the words of Peter. He says, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. This is a a time to remember Jesus' body broken, his blood shed. Hear the words of Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders. Signs did through him in your midst, and you yourself know. This Jesus delivered up to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. That he was crucified and killed so that you and I could be free, so that you and I could experience his forgiveness, his grace, his love, his mercy. And he doesn't stay dead. He raised him up. He raised him up, ushering this new kingdom and ushering and offering new life to all those who believe in him, forgiveness and new life. Let's receive that today, and then let's live, not just as good people, but let's live as people who look like Jesus, who live like Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, doing whatever he leads us to do. Let me pray, and then whenever you're ready, you can take and eat. So Lord Jesus, pray that you would bless today, God, and thank you for the Holy Spirit, God. We, we, we praise you that, that, that you have filled those of us who are followers of Jesus with your, your, your spirit and your presence, leads and guides us through, through the spirit. And so, God, we receive your forgiveness of sins, God, that you have paid for on the cross. We believe that there is salvation is in one name, and that name is Jesus, who is King and, 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 and Savior. He's Messiah, the one that you planned all along to come and to rescue the world. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for using the church. God, may we point to you well. We love you so much. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When you're ready, you can take a knee. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at Cinemark 20 off of Johnson Drive and I-35. We also have three community groups that meet every other Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or you can email me at jake at missioncitykc.com.